This is your Act One Beginners Call. Act One Beginners. Hello, welcome back to Act One Beginners Call, the Coronavirus podcast. From our brains to your ears, in lockdown, we are in currently in week 10. Oh, even wow. I didn't realise we were, we're in that Yeah, we're, in, we're recording this in week 10. That is insane. Uh, and this is a bonus episode for everyone because tonight was Hairspray Live. Yes. And, well, I, I love Hairspray. It's one of my favourite shows and I have seen it before. But Olivia, I was expecting um, you to speak. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know what Olivia. you were going to say. You're like, but Olivia. And I was like, I don't hate it. So I don't well, know where this is going. Well, you haven't I, seen, you haven't seen the live version. I've never seen it live. I've only, I've seen the movie three, four times. Not for a few years now, but it's one of those like movie musicals that I really enjoy. Mm. And will happily sit through. Yeah. It's also, Zach Efron in it is Chef's Kiss. Mm. So And you know it's um it's a musical. It, no, sorry, what? Ha. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> it's a it was a movie before it was a mu- musical. Was and it? the ah. original movie's a lot more raunchy. Uh hang on, I'll find out the year. Uh, yeah, what year was it? Because I've never actually seen the original. It was nineteen eighty some nineteen eighty eight. Without yeah. the mu- without the music, obviously. Nineteen eighty eight. Oh, yeah. Fun fact. So, so we thought this would be a a good opportunity to share our thoughts on Hairspray Live. Yeah, we both made some notes at, on our particular <laughs> thoughts. So that's just in case you don't know Hairspray as a show. It's the story of set in nineteen sixties America of this girl called Tracy who dreams of being a star on this. It's not a talent show. What the hell is it? It's like a variety show. It's like Glee, but not a TV show. It's... I don't understand. I think it's a kind of afternoon show where these kids sing and dance between pre-recorded segments or like advert breaks. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's... I don't think it's meant to make sense. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But yes, for the way you described, variety is good. And it tells a story of... it's a mid, Well, it's segregation in America. And it's the story of how Tracy makes friends with some of the black students in her school. And their fight for equality. And that's particularly pertinent this week, I feel. Yeah, with the current events. The current events in America with George Floyd. Yeah. In, okay, I've never cried so much, and I know where I've been. Because I think those, I think those events actually—it was the first time I've, I like I drew a link. I was listening to yeah. the song, thinking, "Oh, I love this song." Then I was thinking, "Wow, it's topical." And then I drew the emotional link. I didn't cry, but I did write down. Where is it? I did write down. Jennifer Hudson should be queen of the world. <laughs> during it, <laughs> I wrote various things. I wrote. Jennifer Hudson, period. Yeah. Then Jennifer Hudson running in heels, yeah. belting. Yeah. And it's like when she arrived at the end in the gold jumpsuit yes. situation, I just went, my very final note is Jennifer Hudson owns my soul. So. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't, I don't know why I had to start this. I hate not being planned, Olivia. What were your first thoughts? Let's just go with Good Morning Baltimore. Let's start at the very beginning. Okay. So Good Morning Baltimore, my first issue with it was it was clearly set in the evening. Yes, I literally, I 
think Baltimore is currently taking place at midnight. It's either like 4am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or 10 I was like, if it's early, early morning, then it's still too early for you to Roger be going, going to, to go school. to school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so yes, that was my first thought and i didn't start making notes because i started watching it earlier than you did i didn't start making notes until link so my first note is link okay i love the set yes that was literally my first note is this set is mental for being a live show and that continued for throughout and it worked in its favor and to its detriment i Mm. think the set did it wonders but also held it back in some ways Mm. Well, it was very different from Grease Live in that it wasn't studios. There was all the audience were in one place. Yeah. And it was not like, you know, if you watch behind the scenes of Big Bang Theory or something, you've got a pretend room next to a pretend room and then the audience watch that. They're yeah. They're not doing that. They're probably watching it on a screen somewhere, which is why you couldn't hear any audience reactions mm. throughout it. It felt really weird because there, some, there were some scenes where you had that audience energy helping it and then you would cut to a scene where it was funny but it just felt weird without an audience reacting to it at that time it was just silent and i was just like if there was an audience in the room they would be lapping it up so it was a weird mishmash of the two the sets and the scenery design and just the set dressing and costumes were a start they're phenomenal. Well, most, I've put most costume. Yeah. Because I'm referring to Welcome to the 60s and the things that came out of Mr. Pinky's, Pinky, Pinky show. Oh, see, no, I actually wrote when they came out, I just went, <laughs> finally, Tracy's in a nice dress for once. Because, <laughs> like, she appears on the Corny Collins show in just a different colour outfit to what she's been wearing the whole time. Yeah. Everyone else is in these really nice dresses. And I was like, come on, why isn't she in a nice dress? And then she comes out. I mean, it's not the nicest thing in the world, but it's actually a showy outfit instead of being a shirt, blouse and skirt. So that's probably because she had so many scenes. Yeah. So they went with something they could take off easily. And that was like something Mm. that went all the way through. One of my things was that it had very weird pacing in some areas where... I, I think I still prefer the film overall. I haven't watched the film in quite a few years, like I said, so I need to rewatch it. But mm. it just seemed like the whole beginning bit seemed really elongated and the whole civil rights bit just seemed very... It was there. It still took up a bit, but it just... It took quite a long time to get to that point and then it just seemed yeah. to rush through that whole story. Whereas in the film, I don't know, it just felt more integrated well, the, the in film, the film. The film is a different storyline to the musical. Yeah. There's the protest scene, mm. but not quite to the extent, 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 not quite to the, what the musical does. Extent, yes, <laughs> not quite to the extent of what the musical does. But there's no jail in the in the film. Isn't there there's no is? jail? No jail, because in Without Love, um, Link doesn't break her out. He's got a photo of her oh yeah 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 so i guess the film isn't much about tracy's struggle but no i have to sorry there was one line in that whole jail scene i i don't know if it's 
because I've never seen the musical live, but it was one of those things where they just kept saying offhand lines, and I was like, no, 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 go back. At one point, they said, she, Tracy said when he pulled, she pulled the bars off the window, and she went, it's either get new bars or get a gas chamber. So they told me to stay in place. And I was just like, what? No, go back to that. But that's, that's different from the musical, the stage show. So the stage show, Link gets out a lighter and some hairspray and creates okay. a blowtorch. That sounds great. So I, I remember watching that going, hang on a minute. But it was just like new bars or a gas chamber, which... Okay, a gas chamber can only have connotations to World War Two and nothing else. I'm sorry. And I just sat there and went, that surely isn't a correct line. <laughs> That's true. But an- an- another favourite line for me during Just Before Without Love was Link going, they may, be, they may stop us from kissing, but they can't stop us singing. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I literally kept saying to... <laughs> I have it written down about 10 times throughout my notes. And I said it to Gigi. Everyone in this show is so horny. They just can't stop. And I'm watching it going, stop eye-hooking each other. I don't want to see this right now. Every time they turn. And it's, and it's that thing where, like, one of my critiques was Link and Tracy just suddenly are in love. Whereas... In oh, the know, movie, yeah. it felt more progressive and so. gradual. Like, you could see it building. Whereas, at one point, Link is actually quite close to uh, Amber's character. Like, he seems really invested in it. Yeah. And then just suddenly flicks. And I know, there's no, there's no backstory. You have to go, oh, fine, yeah. that's, I accept that. And, she, and then Tracy just kisses him live on camera on stage whilst he has a girlfriend. And I was like, yeah, girl, yeah. calm down. He just sang you a song as part of the show. Oh, everyone's just so horny. Cool, keep in your pants. <laughs> so, I wanted to play some of these voice messages because there was one that absolutely got me. So, I, I can't wait until the podcast link is just giving me so much life right now. I'm literally laughing out loud from his facial expression of poses. It's just, it's just giving me life. I just wanted to address Link, played by Garrett Clayton, who I think was brilliant. He, okay, I posted on Twitter that he is a himbo. And he is a himbo through and through. <laughs> He's just, okay, you said at the start, he mm. is he can't be anything less than bi. And I have to no. fully agree. I One of my notes was... None of the guys on the Corny Collins show are fully straight. Oh, no. No one can be that happy. Yeah. But it was in the I Can Hear the Bells. He was just... All the poses he did. He, and I wrote this down. Link in the show looks like a Ken doll from Barbie. Yeah. I think we all know about the Ken doll references. Yeah. Once I saw that, <laughs> I once I realised that, I just couldn't unsee it. So... He did like a Ken doll. Yeah. Yeah. Well, burgundy soup was a choice. Oh, I liked it. I, mean, I, quite, was... li- I quite liked it. But I, was like, mm. I have to say, he didn't do it for me in the same way that Zac Efron in the film did it well, for that's me. He's, he, that's because he's Zac Efron. Yeah, but, no, but the thing is, normally Zac Efron doesn't really do it for me. I don't really care for him mm. that much. 
But in hairspray, well, he's got that heartthrob quality. Yeah, he's just like it's the little like ha- it's the hair. It's basically the it's hair. The curl. Let's be real. It's, it's the nothing curl. but the hair. <laughs> the, he was Link was very. All of them were very talented. But I like that Link was clearly a musical theatre actor. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't go for like star casting. Like the Wicked movie, they're looking at Dove Cameron, who was uh, Amber in this show. Yeah. And Lily Reinhardt from Riverdale for Glinda. Ooh. And hearing her sing, and then hearing her sing in the Riverdale musical episodes, I'm like, no, that's not happening. So at least they didn't star it. But I like Dove, and I actually wrote at the end. Is I her wish... name Dove or Dove? I think it's Dove. I think you say it as Dove. But sh- spe- I've never heard it spe- said Dove. It's, it's always like been Dove. Sean, Sean, and Sean. Yeah. But I actually like Dove, and I think she's a really strong singer and actress, and I wish we yeah. had seen more of her in it. I think she is quite strong, but I think just something about her just annoys me. I'm not quite sure what it is. See, watching that made me more intrigued about the Clueless musical she was in, that I heard oh, yeah. nothing about. It was like, did a run in LA, it looked really cheesy, but it... I love Clueless as a movie. Probably it's really one good. of like the rom com. Paul Rudd. Yeah. Paul oh, Rudd hasn't well. aged since that movie. Uh, yeah. Again, part of, partly my love for it is Paul Rudd, and I've yes. ha- I've I've waxed lyrical to some friends about him in that movie. Yes. But no, Link was very very strong, particularly in um, what's it what's it called? The Without Love song. It's called Without Love. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But I think we also have to really give credit to Seaweed. Oh, yes. I loved his seaweed because Elijah Kelly, I think his name is, in the film, I just found it slightly cheesy. I thought it was brilliant, but I think he was was probably one of the most strong vocalists. And because he was opposite Ariana Grande, but to me, he just looked so good compared to her. Yeah. And so obviously raised the roof, but he was clearly a strong actor, dancer, and singer. Oh, it's just all stop being horny. Oh, where is okay? Yeah, I literally wrote before literally writing Link as a himbo. My my comment right before it was seaweed is too talented. Yes. And now I come to Ariana Grande, and there's probably some people out there who are going to hate me. But I did not like her. I see. I didn't mind her. I the thing is, I think she's very typecast now. It's very much yes. her strong suit with character plays. It's very. It calls back to her characters in the Victorious TV yeah, show. Yeah, that's what I was going harking back to because, to me, it just seemed a copy from Cat Valentine. Mm. And then she didn't sing as Penny for me. She sang as Ariana Grande, and because she uh, she started off in Broadway, she was in Thirteen the Musical on Broadway. And so she has, and if you listen to clips from her when she was young, she's got a, a really strong Broadway sound because she's gone poppy. To me, I just, her voice, this is te- very technical, but it sounds almost glottal, like at the very back of her mouth. So it's just, to, for me, it just sounds unsafe to hear her sing. See, I, I have no strong opinions about Ariana Grande, to be honest. I liked her, but I did write down that while she is good, she when she sings before or after another character like Dove or well kind of just anyone who has a strong a stronger voice, mm. it just sounds weaker automatically. Yeah. 
and that doesn't mean she's any less talented she's got a no, good voice yeah. and i think she, she does she i think she does suit penny as a character i th- yeah it kind it does yeah it suits her to a teen i can i like watching her do it because particularly for me when she was singing at the end with jennifer hudson it was very clear who was the stronger vocalist particularly in this genre i didn't watch so that it's... song because I had no idea what was happening at that point. <laughs> oh, it's, it's some look at me now. No, it's not. I will tell you. Come so far. Come so far. God, so far to go. Yeah. And to it just seemed like she was slightly trying to compete with her riffing. Yeah. But I'm like, you can't compete with Jennifer Hudson. Oh, we can't talk about Hairspray without talking about Tracy. Yeah. I... So the girl who played Tracy is very talented, but I felt like her, when she was, like, because even with Ariana Grande, even if her singing voice isn't as strong as the other musical theatre people around her, she is still a good actress when in the scene. Like, you can tell she's in the character and being that character. And I didn't feel like it's me watching Ariana Grande try to be someone else. I thought it was mm. her successfully acting the character. Uh, yeah, she was, yeah. But Tracy, I felt, just sometimes felt m- quite wooden compared to everyone around yeah, her. Yeah, she, she didn't have much behind the eyes. Yeah. it. She was very talented at singing and very good at dancing. But she would just sometimes stand there and... Yeah. It was just a bit not there and she would just kind of stand and look a bit lost yeah and there was because ariana grande i thought acted the part very well even though i was kind of like oh it's cat valentine but she did yeah. act it very well but there was one po- point in without love i have so many issues with without love okay i love the <laughs> song i love the song too much but there's a point where she was tied up on this bed right and it was like she forgot to act for a minute because she was like, Ugh. and then it was a, there was a sudden kind of, I'm looking around, and then she was like, oh, hurry, Siri. Yeah. One thing I loved, and it made me cackle so many times, and it was especially evident in the Corny Collins scenes, was actors, especially Kristen Chenoweth. Some act, some of the other actors did it, but Kristen Chenoweth was, did it so much. And maybe it was me seeing things, or maybe it was the case, but it looked like she just kept looking straight down the barrel of the camera all the time <laughs> she was just like no, look I know what while you mean. walking and i was like hun i love this but don't but i think that was part of the issues with such elaborate sets mm. was they there wasn't just a single place to look as all the cameras were always mm. moving around and everywhere yeah. was the set it made it difficult for them to tell where they should look especially when they were moving and the camera was moving because yeah. It made a real weird, where am I performing to? And yeah. obviously that sort of set works fine for movies because you're playing to the other characters and you've got multiple cameras because also you can then do multiple retakes of it. But Krista Chandler yeah. just looked down the camera so many points and I, I just started there, there, was cackling. Cer- there were certain bits where I was like, that's clearly a character. Yeah. When Trace- Tracy, when she was like singing the tune to Good Morning Baltimore, but it was the reprise. Mm. She, as soon as she turned away from the jail bars, she looked straight down the camera. Yeah. And then she was very good at playing it off, kind of like, my eyes are wandering and thinking. But 
There were just certain times they all did that. I swear they all did it at one point or the other. And yeah. I just Don't loved blame them, it to be honest. every time. Because <laughs> normally you would get annoyed by it. But for some reason this time, I was like, yeah, I'm here for it. So let's, let's keep talking about Kristen Chenoweth. Because she... Val, Val Velma is... Well, I know her as Michelle Pfeiffer. Which is very belty... But then Christian Jenner would put herself into the role going, I'm going to mix an operatic note, which I loved. She's just fantastic. I loved her in this, yeah. Mm. But I did get slightly You're a Good Man Charlie Brown vibes from her. See, I've never seen that, so I don't really... Ah. But, okay. yeah, a lot of my notes were just Christian Chenoweth is giving me life. Yes. And I think we should talk a little bit more about Jennifer Hudson. Oh, yeah. Because... For, I think for me, she was the strongest person there, to be honest. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, because she took the part... So Queen Latifah was in the, in the film. Mm. And it was a brilliant example of an alto being emotional, being brilliant, and being properly loved yeah. as, as a character. Because you don't see many altos in musical theatre at the moment. But then I forgave Jennifer Hudson for that. Because she did make me cry. And, like, you think her voice could get high, right? And then she's just like, no, nah, I'm going to keep going. And you're like, right, fine, good, cool, amazing. But then she's like, I'm still going. And it got to a point where I was just crying, mostly because of the song. But then because I was like, I'm never going to have her voice. <laughs> So yeah, her voice sad. is very much. It's so powerful. You can kind of feel it resonating mm. in your soul. You're just there going, okay. Oh, the the Mr. and Mrs. Turnblad, Edna and Wilbur Turnblad. Yeah, I think we both have some thoughts on Edna. <laughs> yeah. I, as soon I as she I... spoke the or he spoke, I, as soon as she spoke the first time, mm. I just went, excuse me, what? I, uh-huh. It sounded like it sounded like a character from The Little Mermaid. See, I thought, has this person voiced a character on SpongeBob? Because it felt very yeah. That must be what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think it was Harvey Firestein who wrote the book for Kinky Boots. Oh really? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, very talented. Just a wild voice. Yeah. Thing is, I just. I, I, I love the, like, so John Travolta, Edna, was, like, vocally not strong, mm. but then you could easily forgive it because it was fun. For me, oh, it's just, you know. I also quite like John Travolta's acting of Edna because it was very shy yeah. and, and I think this kind of came into it. Maybe it's because it's the musical and not the film. And the film has more time to kind of take pause and develop mm. these things. But Edna just never felt fully, yeah, fully formed. I, may, I wrote down a couple times any of the scenes that occurred in their house or a house just felt really stale and really slow, slow compared yeah. to everything else. And I don't know if that was part of it. It did, but I think I think that's also the script. The script was very slow, yeah, pace wise. Or they weren't just picking up off each other. But I was just kind of watching, it going, and line, 
And I think maybe that also played into Tracy not being the strongest actor sometimes because sometimes it just felt like she was saying her line when she knew she had to say it. And then you kind of had, you waited for yeah. the next line so and then you waited for her to say it again. And Wilbur Turnblad. And I didn't mind him, but to be honest, I didn't realise the film, I've seen this musical so many times, but I never clocked the film made up the affair between, or the, the attempted seduction of Wilbur by... Oh, Kristen Chenoweth's character, Kristen, yeah. Character I forgot Velma. about that, yeah. So, I was kind of like, hang, oh, okay. Because to me, uh, it's not Christoph Waltz, Christopher Walken. So here's Wilbur, it feels so developed. Yeah. I, I felt this Wilbur was slightly awkward with Edna. But then Your Timeless to Me was quite sweet. And I normally, I just skip that song normally if I'm listening to it. Yeah. In the film, I don't particularly like it, but I actually quite yeah. liked it this yeah. time. I found it quite sweet. One yeah. one change that I found interesting was, I remember first time watching Hairspray at the very end when they announce the winner of miss hairspray or whatever the title is called and it's given to what is that girl's name it's like seaweed sister oh little inez yeah little inez Mm. i remember the first time i watched it and she's announced the winner i was like oh that's a bit weird i'd quite like it to be tracy it would make sense if it was tracy but i understand why she's won it and i like that she's won it but at the same time i wish it had been tracy and then in my subsequent rewatches. I've grown to like that decision more and more. And then at this time round, when Tracy won it, I was like, <laughs> no, that's not right. But Little Inez hasn't had the same character development in the musical no. than she did in the film. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it. But that brings me on to another point, which I kept repeating to you, is that Tracy yeah. in this, and I don't know if it's how it was acted or how it's directed or how it's written, but half her lines when it came to the whole segregation issue she just sounded instead of sounding frustrated with the situation and sounding like well why can't we do it why is this in place this doesn't make sense mm. why are we deciding this is a factor of life when it shouldn't be instead she just sounded like she had never heard of segregation or not grown up in mm. a segregated racist baltimore and was like why are you separated why are you behind the barrier like hun have you not been looking around <laughs> you your whole life that's true but then if you but then you think about it and you think if she's born into it yeah it, it becomes less of a question whereas if during her at that age if segregation had begun then she yeah. might have gone hang on a minute but if you're born into some, and that's very topical at the moment, but if you... They, they talk about Rosa Parks having happened and stuff. So obviously the movement is kind of yeah. kicking off a bit. But, but And she obviously has the sentiments. She's like, oh, I wish we could all dance together without any issues. And it's like, that's great. But then she was just like, she would just turn to adults and go, well, why can't we? And they would have a major reaction. And she just looked so confused about why they were doing that. And I mean, that's a yeah. great thing to be that assured. But it just seemed like she yeah. had no idea of the actual situation going on. <laughs> I was like, fun. That's kind of true. <laughs> Maybe it's just how she delivered some of the lines, but it just sounded like she was completely clueless. Mm. And there was another thing. It all, it kind of felt like, I've never felt it before watching it, but when she sang the reprise of Good Morning Baltimore, or Good Evening Baltimore, she was talking about how she was going to change the world. Yeah. 
And I was like, well, that's a bit, that's a bit selfish, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it'd be great if you can help. I mean, because how much can you do? I don't know how big of a corny Collins show is out of Baltimore, you know, but if you were the Zac Efron equivalent, you know, and and could make some change, but even then... Yeah, it makes me wonder, was was the original Hairspray musical like written or co-written with black authors? Yeah, I don't know. Let me have a little look. Because I started questioning that halfway through this, and it's actually, it's, I mean, it's admittedly never been something I fully questioned before, but watching this, I just went, has this been written with black authors? Well, the two writers are white. Oh, no, they're, they're the playwrights. Okay, hang on. So they wrote the book. Okay. I think the Shyman brothers are white. Yeah. From from my quick googling, I I can I think they're all white creators of the show. Did Book of Mormon have black creators involved? I don't know because I know it's by the writers of South Park, but I don't know who the writers of South Park actually are. How about I type into Google who wrote South Park? I think from all the vid- videos I've seen on YouTube and stuff, they're white, but I don't know if they had any kind of co-authors. Because you'd think that'd be very important if you're... I mean, it's great that you want to write a show about these issues. Then you'd think, at least I'll consult. There might, there might have been some consultation, but... Well, that's what's got me thinking about Hairspray, was there were a few points in Motorhead Records, Motormouth... Motor, I forgot what the exact name was. Motormouth Records. There were just a few moments where some language or some kind of dialogue felt very along the lines of white saviorism or just like the whole community mm. just going we'll support you in your That's issue true. and just kind of yeah but the, the, then there was that scene of you know I'm, i don't want to back up the white girl anymore i don't want to get arrested again i don't want to do this so there was some acknowledgement but you're right there was that you know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to change the world, not kind of I'm going to be part of this movement to change the world. It was just I I, I think it was more of a selfish thing. Yeah. That character. I hadn't I hadn't realised it before. I don't know whether because I was just thinking because oh, I was like, like a kid watching it going, Oh, this is a bop. This is such a good song But particularly after studying it and I'm going to be living in America next year, it just kind of properly hit me. I think I think one I think one of the Book of Mormon people are Latina. I mean that's great, but not black and not African. And with that experience of African, oh, pop- he's half Asian, but not black. That's still amazing, but not black, or mm. not of African descent. That would be amazing because I'd be like, for, I wasn't expecting that maybe to the extent, but what a shame. Yes, let's move yeah. on. I have a lot of caps lock where I just went link rocks that mm. blue suit and blue shoe combo. Stop trying to clink <laughs> on camera. Why is everyone so horny? Honestly, link does not give a care. Wow. All about link, huh? <laughs> and I completely forgot how at the end everything just comes together this big it's very like shakespeare how there's like a messenger there's a messenger that comes along oh so and so's dead the the villain of the story is dead so there's no stakes anymore it's just going to yes. end and you're like yay yeah 
literally, my... I literally wrote in full caps lock, wow, deus ex machina much? <laughs> Everything just seemed to be resolved. But I, I love the little touch that Velma is making, like, she's got her own office, she's got this, she's got that. You're making products for women of colour. I love that little but touch. But even that felt really weird, because she it was like, did. you're the figurehead for makeup for women of colour. And I was like, the whitest woman available. I know. Oh, but that's the 60s. We can't have too much progress. Oh, oh no. Mm. Uh, my next thing after that was, I want a crab crown. Because <laughs> you messaged me. You, you you sent a voice message to me like, oh, it just, I dig this song, Baltimore Crowns, or, or whatever it's called. <laughs> well, because I knew that they sang crabs, but I couldn't tell if they sang it all the time or half the time or what the t- song was mm. called. So I was like, Baltimore Crabs doesn't sound fully correct yeah but it was so but something else we could discuss about hairspray just coming into my mind is the creators of hairspray have said that anyone can do this show so that opens it up to an all white cast equally all black cast equally anyone yeah no money wise that is sensible in saying that oh we're making it accessible to anyone anyone can have the royalties to it but then it does open up the minefield of uh, my roommate was telling me about how this pro- they did this production at a, it might have been her school or a different school and there were three black people that were in the show and so they had everyone else dancing behind them and so the, they was, the writers were backing up their decisions saying if pe- people can wear t-shirts saying who they are the point is telling the story but then also with a very specific piece like this You'd think, um, maybe don't. When the plot revolves specifically around the African-American civil civil rights rights movement movement in America, Mm. it kind of falls flat when you don't have actual African-Americans of people of colour playing those roles. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's like, we can never do hairspray. We will never do it at our old school. And I can never see it happening at Exeter because... Exeter University at its current state is far from being diverse enough to even consider mm. doing hairspray yeah. at all. And it's that thing where they've had product. I've, I stumbled across a performance of You Can't Stop the Beat on a Japanese talent show or like, you know, one of those yes. where they do the here's a production you could go see. And it had a black Japanese actress Playing mm. the role of Motormouth Maybell. Motormouth Maybell. Motormouth Maybell. Motormouth Maybell. But she was playing that role, and I was looking through all the comments while I was watching it. Obviously, having no idea what's going on because it was all in Japanese, but understanding that it was you can't stop the beat. And yeah. there was loads of uh, comments basically saying this was the first time that Japan was seeing a production of Hairspray with people mm. that were actually black, black actors actually playing the roles. Because beforehand, they had just tanned. And this um, this is that thing where uh, I don't, it's a very to- big topic and it's very uh, political and stuff. And I could talk about it, but I can't be bothered at almost midnight. But <laughs> there's a whole different sort of, not thinking, but there's a whole different culture in especially Asian countries like Korea and J- mm-hmm. Jap- 
Korea and Japan. Japan. There we go. Got the mm. words out. Where because they didn't see the same extent of slave trading as in the West, mm. they haven't got that. They haven't got such a big mix of ethnicities within their own culture. So people of mm. color in those countries are still very much in the minority to a far mm. greater extent than in Europe. But basically that it just mm. there's not that same sort of connection to blackface and the African American and black heritage into media like mm. there is in the West. And so for a while there wasn't any kind of concern with just slapping a whole load of fake tan on and going mm. I'm now black and you're just going oh no you're not you're very much wearing fake tan Ooh. right now but if this is performance I'm thinking of their seaweed was not black yeah I think and that's but then the equally I... he but equally he wasn't tanned in a way that portrayed blackface so it was kind of oh you step in the right direction also i don't think tracy was particularly plus sized either but no 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 we're getting there one character at a time Mm. it'll just take a few more productions and then they're there yeah (laughs) so yeah wanted to address that because that's i think that's one of the biggest controversies of anyone doing hairspray because i've heard people talking about how production have been done but with economic issues so a class war setting if you want to do a class war just do billy elliot but yes do billy elliot <laughs> that's a perfect example of a class and the thing is you can do sh- accents we'll forgive you geordie i want to dance at the ballet <laughs> yeah i think if you want to do hairspray and you don't have the cast for it then don't do hair don't do it there's plenty of that's other a simple choices. answer for you oh should yeah, I, go, I, I was on a roll of finding bad amdram yeah and in the heights is up there for being another one of these where it would be an all white high school performing it equally once on this island yeah no just a popular choice just don't do it if it requires you to be a person of colour and you are not a person of colour, then don't do it. A classic one is Miss Saigon. Yeah. Just if you are not of Asian heritage or have Asian heritage within you, do not play this bad part. If the character does not directly need to be a person of character and their plot doesn't revolve around it, still not great. A person of character. A person of character. <laughs> I would hope you're a person of <laughs> So I'm going to describe people. <laughs> they were a person of character. <laughs> yes. Let's just have, let's, let's just have a, if a part requires you to be a certain race that's and you're not that linked into the storyline. Yeah. Just stick to that one. And it's also, it's not just that, but like the whole music surrounding the black characters in Hairspray is all soul music yeah. and their and the jazz, kind of, yeah. yeah, and the music that is that they kind of defined and was their culture. And so if you then yeah, it's just don't. Just just don't. Thank you for coming to our TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> I just read one of my notes. <laughs> And it's... I will just read... <laughs> okay, Link has a narcolepsy kink. <laughs> so, my 
things was in the gym class when they were playing dodgeball that wasn't dodgeball was one all of the special ed scattered dodgeball the special ed uh students were not wearing gym outfits but yet had to be in gym class <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think that was I think that was more logistics. Olivia. Yeah, I knew it was logistics, but at the same time, I found it hilarious that a gym teacher forced them into a gym to play dodgeball. In like, and Tracy was running around in a pencil skirt, <laughs> and I was like, "Honey, you're doing more <laughs> than needed." Then my next favorite thing was literally to knock Tracy out instead of throwing a ball. And kind of in the kerfuffle of everyone running around, even if it doesn't hit Tracy, you can make it look it. No, Dove Cameron literally just walks up to her with a dodgeball in hand, plonks it on her head, and Tracy is knocked out cold on the floor. And I was like, that was literally a boink on the head. That does not require you falling to the ground unconscious. And then my next favourite thing was Link literally looks down at her and goes... You're beautiful when you're unconscious. <laughs> and oh, I, I just had a visceral reaction to that. I just went, no. <laughs> no. It, and one... have, I can hear the bells. Yeah. And that's what makes you hear the bells. Yes. And there's that thing where I was like, it's one thing to have your significant other who maybe you spend the night with or you've been together for a while and they know you well. It's one thing for them to go, oh, you look really cute when you sleep or you're really peaceful when you sleep because maybe you share a bed sometimes and that's kind of normal and kind of a cute thing maybe to say in a relationship. When you don't know the guy that well and you are dead <laughs> unconscious in a way that isn't sleeping and he just goes, you're beautiful like this. <laughs> that's not cute, Link. That's a bit creepy. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with you there. Oh yeah, also... Out, I, they had a bit of a paired back cast for the Corey, the Corny Collins show, I think. But, or maybe it's just a different, they just name them differently. But one of my favourite parts in the film is when they're doing the lineup and they have like, Doreen, Laureen. Doreen. Just those two. Yeah, they're, they they're not in there. I was waiting for it and it didn't happen. And I was so no. sad. I just kind of came away <laughs> from it going, oh, okay, that's fine, I guess. And just, I might insert this later, but... I found an article which is saying, I'm gonna, I'll quote, I'll just read a bit. Naturally, by the conclusion of Hairspray, the Corny Collins show has been successfully integrated, thanks in no small part to Tracy, and the black people who have been disenfranchised finally get a chance to share the spotlight. Again, it's all by Tracy. Mm. So if it had been played differently, it could have been a really great way to highlight the importance of the civil rights movement. But then this article is saying how it's portraying segregation as fun. That was kind of my thing with, again, sorry to bring up the film once more, but I think that's why I like the ending of the film a bit more was because Tracy took a back seat in Can't Stop the Beat. She kind of appeared, but then as soon as she appeared, she just kind of went to the background and everyone else stars came in. And that's why I think it just worked. This one, yeah, it just... But yeah... I think we've dissected some bits quite well there <laughs> about how all in all this is a fantastic feel good show which does highlight some very important topics however there are some problems with the show which 
can easily be ironed out and if they're played by the right people no that's and they're put on they're put on right yeah and what's so good about hairspray is it's it's a family show it's a yeah it's something that kids can go see and i think it's really good for explaining the issues of segregation and the civil rights movement in a very condensed small version so yeah. kids in school can understand it in a simplified way that makes sense and yeah you don't get the whole nuances and it you don't get the more critical an- analysis but mm. it's opening up D- kids discussion. to these topics and these discussions yeah. in a fun way that is then redeemed at the end although in this production redeemed very easily <laughs> And yeah, just one final shout out to the fake rats in Good Morning Baltimore. Oh, I know. That was really... (laughs) And they were also just slightly too late. And that made it even better. Oh, but we obviously obviously didn't see this, but the event was hosted by Darren Chris, who apparently interrupted a lot of the show when he was hosting. (laughs) Because I was looking at the cast and Darren Chris was listed, but with no character name. And I was really confused. Yeah. I was like, has someone just put that in there? So So I'll just I'll just read that. Armed with a microphone, Chris appeared before every commercial break to shatter the fourth wall and remind us that yes, we are watching a musical and yes, a lot of work went into production. Way to kill the mood, dude. <laughs> I'm glad that was so, cut out, yeah. So obviously so if anyone's seen the MTV Legally Blonde online where Every commercial break, it's so American. Every commercial break, they go, "We'll be right back with Legally Blonde," and then they'll do like a thirty-second like come backstage. This is Bruce of the Dark. Yeah, and it's so infuriating. And any Brits watching, and that's why they cut so quickly at the end of every song. It just went straight to black so quickly because yeah. it would go to Darren Chris. That was hairspray live. I think we should do a shuffle, Olivia. Have you got a shuffle up? Let me let me get it up right. Okay, so this isn't from a musical per se, but it's Cabinet Battle Three demo from the Hamilton mixtape, ah. and it's the cut Cabinet Battle that Lin Manuel cut from Hamilton because he decided it didn't progress the plot and was unnecessary. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's bad. It is still very good. And it's actually, I really like it because it, it's much, I don't know if it's because of this version, if it was probably on stage, it would be a bit lighter, but this version's very gritty and quite dark because they discuss the slave trade and how it affects America Mm. and politics in America at that time. And it kind of brings up the whole idea of, well, not the whole idea, the whole thing of Washington owning a plantation with slaves and how it embroils everyone in American politics and he is trying to bring a legislation that would free slaves but it's obviously getting pushed back because of the amount of money that these people would lose because of it and it's just a much darker grittier one and I really like it because the beat's very different and slow but it's part of Hamilton which I understand why it was cut because it doesn't progress any of the plot's main beats but yeah I would recommend it yeah lovely and my shuffle is my new philosophy from your good man Charlie Brown right have you got any recommendations of shows um let me have I feel like I thought of one a while back 
or like earlier this week and now I've completely forgotten um I'm gonna go with the prince of Egypt I mean it's not the biggest hmm. because it only had it still had quite a short run in London compared to what it was meant to have this year and I think people will make their own decision on it. It's quite... I really like the cast recording, but I know some people find it not as good of a Stephen Schwartz piece as other shows, like Wicked. Mm -hmm. Then again, I have heard criticisms from people saying that Wicked sounds all the same. So I think it depends mm -hmm. if you like Stephen Schwartz or not. Yes. yes. But I really like it. It has some of the classic songs from the movie as well as some really kind of good additions to it and yeah there are just some bangers in it some stuff not my favorite but i think it's overall a good solid and if it's i'm in the mood for soundtrack. it i'm in the mood for it and i can't stop playing it so mm. yeah lovely and i'll put one of the i'll decide a song i like from it and put it in i'll probably yeah. do deliver us because that's just so atmospheric beautiful song what about you do you have a I have The Witches of Eastwick oh, okay, yeah. as my choice. And I'm probably going to put in the, our playlist, which all the songs we mentioned will be in our playlist. Uh, I'll put Dirty Laundry in there. And because I was in a gala at theatre school and we were doing a dirty, we were doing dirty Laundry from Witches of Eastwick and no one had even heard of the show at this point. Mm. But it was such a good show. I wore stupid glasses. It was a fun memory it's just a very weird storyline it's just share isn't it and there we are there we go i'm sure everyone's missing my recorder segment which is for not bonus episodes but um truly heartbroken you are aren't you yeah <laughs> and on that note thank you so much for listening to this spontaneous rambling episode about hairspray live i am Gigi, and i'm olivia Thank you for listening and good night.